Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Matthew chapter 27 and reading just a few words from verse 29. Verse 29, a crown of thorns. The whole verse reads, and when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. But specifically these words, a crown of thorns. Matthew 27, verse 29. There were those times that the Jews came to the Lord Jesus Christ and they mocked him, they said things that they felt disparaged his character, they blackened him, and yet really were very precious things that were said. One such word was, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth and drinketh with them. And they felt that that was a mark against him. Yet if we know our sinnership, if we know what we are before God, what a precious word that is. Feeling our sinnership, feeling how unworthy we are, how unworthy that he should come under our roof or visit us or receive us. Maybe you come to the house of God this evening. How can the Lord receive me? How can he receive such a sinner as I am? And yet even at the hands of his enemies, such beautiful words, such a testimony that they saw what he did. They spoke what he did. They said, this man receiveth sinners and eateth and drinketh with them. And then we have the account here. They are arraying him as a king. They had heard him say, thou sayest that I am a king. My kingdom is not uh, from this world, it is from hence. And here they mocked him. They put a crown upon his head, a crown designed to inflict pain, but a crown in order to, to mock him along with the robe and all that they did to him. And yet in so doing, unknowingly, they not knowing what they are doing, and yet appointed by God, so clearly setting forth that here was one that was bearing the curse for his people. And so we have those that even were not the Lord's people, and they are doing things to the Lord, and they bring forth a testimony. We read in Psalm 126, of the Lord blessing his people and that the Lord hath done great things for us whereof we are glad and yet done in such a way that even amongst the heathen that they could see what the Lord had done the Lord hath done great things for them and may it be then that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ that which is precious to us 
suiting our case as sinners, and that which was done to him mockingly is made to us precious and precious this evening. I want to look at three points. Firstly, the head that wore this crown. And then secondly, the crown that he wore, this crown of thorns. And then thirdly, the crown he wears now. Firstly, the head that wore this crown. You might say, well, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Jesus of Nazareth who is wearing this crown. But is he who said that he was the Son of God, that he was the Christ, who testified to the woman at the well of Samaria, I that speaketh unto thee am he. He that was set forth before them as the King of the Jews, as the Messiah, and really being arrayed in the very position he is in, because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. The truth was that he, being God, made himself man, condescended to be a man. But I want to think of what has been foretold of Christ and in the times, the shadows that have gone before. It's always been precious to me the word that Jacob spake concerning his son Joseph in Genesis chapter 49 and in verse 26. Part of the blessing of Joseph was this. The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors, or those who gone before those of the fathers, unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him, that was separate from his brethren. And if there's anything to really describe our Lord Jesus Christ, he was made like unto his brethren, yet sin accepted, and he was separate from his brethren, coming unto his own, his own received him not. Now Joseph is a beautiful type of Christ. And this crown, as it were, on the head of him who was separate from his brethren. He had brethren. He had literal brethren, brothers, sisters. He had those that were around him. But how separate he was. This is the eternal Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. It is vital for us to see the head that wore this crown. It wasn't Barabbas. It wasn't sinful fallen man. It was the spotless Son of God. And he is vital 
that we realize that as to whose head was wearing this crown because it makes all the difference that the one that is wearing it is the spotless one, is the one that can lay down his life and take it again, but who does not have to die as you and I do. If ever there was one man that walked upon the face of this earth that was separate from his brethren in this regard, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's none other man that ever walked upon the face of this earth that was without sin, without spot, and that was truly God and truly man in one person. And in that, Joseph is this type uh, separate from his brethren. But when we come to Exodus and we come to the children of Israel in the wilderness, then we have the furniture of the tabernacle being made and especially that of the ark. Now we know that the ark of the covenant is a type of our Lord Jesus Christ. As many types, the whole tabernacle is a type and the whole uh, furniture of it is. But when we think of the ark is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the ark was placed the Aaron's rod that budded, setting forth the priesthood. In the ark is the unbroken tables of stone, the completed law of God. He hath magnified the law, he hath made it honourable. But what is to be noted in Exodus 25 and from verse 11, what is set forth is the making of that ark. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round it. And thou shalt gold for it and put them in the four corners thereof. And two rings shall be in the one side of it and two rings in the other side. And it goes through the pictures of the ark. Then we have in verse 17 the mercy seat which is the lid or over top of the ark. Thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And then as the uh, mercy seat is described and set forth, then it is also told that there should be round about it uh, the gold. Thou shalt uh, make unto it a border of a handbreadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. The mercy seat, all of these things, they were to be as a type of the Lord and crowned with gold. If we were to go to Exodus 29 and verse 6, uh, we have the type, I say type, of our Lord Jesus Christ in Aaron 
and Aaron's sons, the priesthood, and how were they to be arrayed? What was their clothing? Well, passing by many parts of the clothing, we come to what is to be put on his head. Thou shalt put the mitre upon his head, a linen, as it were, a bonnet to cover the hair, and put the holy crown upon the mitre. Thou shalt take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. Truly, the type of our Lord Jesus Christ was crowned. How much more shall we expect that the eternal Son of God, coming manifest in the flesh, should also be crowned? When we come to the Psalms, and we have the prophecies concerning our Lord Jesus Christ there. In Psalm 21, verses 3 to 5, For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness, thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him, even length of days for ever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation, honour and majesty hast thou laid upon him. Our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, the eternal Son of God, he that was raised up and testified as being king and crowned, crowned with a crown of thorns, the head that wore that, how vital that we look past, in a sense, the crown and see first the head, who it is that was crowned, who it is that was suffering, who it is that was laying down his life, who was in this position. A blessed thing, and those Old Testament saints, they had to look past the types and past the shadows and see Jesus. They needed faith. We need faith. And we need faith to look unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Unto you which believe, he is precious. I want to then look secondly at the crown that he wore. In one sense, the crown was that which was very painful. If any of us have, walked, have worked with those things that are with thorns. Whenever I pruned the pyrocanthra out the side here, I always come home with my hands all torn. In pruning the roses recently, same thing. I never seem to escape without thorns here and there to, to pull off my skin. And they can be very painful. And to think that the Lord Jesus Christ had woven this crown of thorns pressed on his head, bring forth blood and bring forth pain in that way. Great pains he had, of course, in the scourging of his back, in the piercing of his hands and of his feet and the hanging upon the cross. But here it was that the crown was given in a way of mocking, as if they would say, that he had said that he is a king. Well, we'll make you a king. And we'll give you a crown that's a painful crown, a crown of ridicule, a crown of mocking, and we'll put this on your head. 
They might have felt as well they're putting a crown that is a worthless crown. It wasn't of gold, it wasn't anything of value at all, just thorns to be put in the fire and burnt. But as they were doing that, they were not really realising what they were doing. When we go right back to the Garden of Eden, we go right back to when man had first sinned. The marks of the sin and of the curse that Adam and Eve were cursed with. And unto Adam he said, this is Genesis 3 verse 17, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of the which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Thorns also and thistles. A mark of the curse. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Thorns also. Paul, when he writes to the Galatians, he speaks of our Lord Jesus Christ being made a curse for us who knew no sin, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth upon a tree. God had said that, as pointing to that time when his beloved son should be made a curse for us. And so the crown that he wore so symbolised not only the crown but the very tree he was hung upon, setting forth the Lord Jesus Christ bearing the curse for his people. He is the seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head. He is the one that has borne our curse. And if he has borne it, then is not to be borne by his people. These things are a, might say, a symbol, a witness, a sign from God. We think of the signs that God gives, the rainbow When the rain comes upon the earth, I do set my bow in the cloud, I will look upon it, remember my covenant. You might say, well, what is the relation between the rainbow and the water not covering the earth again? It is because God has said that he will put that bow there and that he will remember it, and he will remember what he has said. And his God that has said, Cursed is every one that hangeth upon a tree. And his God that has said, As a mark of the curse, that thorns also shall bring forth to thee. And then we have the Lord Jesus Christ lifted up, and he has this crown, a crown of thorns, and he is hung on a tree. He is set before a sinner. A sinner under the curse, a sinner feeling under the curse, a sinner feeling the wrath of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, in their place, to suffer in their place. 
to endure the wrath of God, to endure the punishment that they should have endured. And this is what is set before us in the Gospel. And the Lord has used men. We think of the whole crucifixion really in Acts chapter 2. Peter charges the people that he who was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain. Unwittingly, unknowingly, they had fulfilled the counsel of God. They said if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of life and glory. But they were ignorant of it, and in so doing, they crucified him. And the soldiers as well, ignorant really of what these things were setting forth, plaited a crown of thorns and put it upon his head. In this crown, too, we have really the pinnacle of the sufferings of the Son of God. Here below, his glory was veiled. Here below, he suffered. He endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. He walked that path of suffering, of obscurity, of mocking, deriding, physical suffering, mental suffering, the hiding of a father's face. The people of God are to view what the Lord suffered and yet suffered righteously and holily and never sinned in any of the sufferings that he went through. The willingness of the Lord to take up that cup right from the start and the willingness to bear it right to the end the cup which my Father hath given me to drink, shall I not drink it? Well, when we view our Lord in that way, we must think in this that here below we are not to expect glory, a place of rest. Heaven is not here. The word says, This is not your rest, it is polluted. Our Lord says, I have given them, that is, his people, thy word, and the world hath hated them. He says that in me ye shall have peace, but in the world ye shall have tribulation. He testifies that they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And if they have persecuted me, they shall persecute you. If they have received my word, then they will receive yours. If they have done these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there is that, though our Lord bore that curse, yet we are to taste that cup. Anything that we suffer does not put away our sin. It does not bear the curse to bear it away, but it does make us to taste a little of it to know a little of what it is to be under the sentence of death, under the curse. And Paul, he says when he writes the Romans, that the whole creation groaneth together until now. Really the whole creation has been marred through Adam's sin. 
The whole creation is looking and longing for that time of the new heavens and new earth where indwelleth righteousness, where there shall be no more death and no more sorrow, and that everything shall be perfect as it was in Eden and better. But at the moment, everything, the animal kingdom, all of the God's creation, all groans under sin and under the curse. But the Lord on Calvary has removed that. He has borne it. And that is why it's so vital to view who has borne that curse. And I may say this, that really it is only the people of God that have any fellowship with the Lord, that again any entrance into what he has suffered to get a little glimpse into what he bore in bearing that curse. We might say, well, if we were to go into, say, some of the nightclubs in London, I hope we'd feel very out of place, want to run out of the place. We, we wouldn't like it at all because comparative to, to our lives and what we know is right and pure and good, that would be a very evil way of life. But when you think of the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling among men and he knowing men's hearts, he knowing their thoughts, he's seeing all of those things. If it was said of Lot that that righteous man in Sodom was seeing and hearing and grieved his righteous soul day by day with their unlawful deeds, how much more the Lord Jesus Christ in what he saw, how long shall I be with you, he says, how long shall I bear with you? Little do we realise the Lord Jesus Christ is bearing the curse even being here below and with his people and in this world as well as what was done there at Calvary. And so it is a good thing if this world becomes to us what it was to the Lord. We can say with the Apostle Paul that we are crucified to the world and the world crucified to us. We do not want the world and the world does not want us. The world did not want him. They said, away with him, crucify, crucify him. And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. And he has chosen his people out of this world and redeemed them and saved them and bore their curse so that they might be with him. So what is the crown then that he wears now? The crown he wore on earth is a very different crown to what he wears now. When Paul writes to the Hebrews, <coughs> you have in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For he became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, 
in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. He has been given a name which is above every name. When we come to the revelation and we read that on his head was not just one, but many crowns. His eyes were a, as a flame of fire. Revelation 19, 12. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God with a capital W, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. We read of the elders or the ministers, representative of the people of God. And we read of them in Revelation 4, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth for ever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He has the crown of glory of Lord of all. He is the crown of creation, the crown of the sovereignty of God, the crown of being the Redeemer, the crown of being the Saviour, and the crown of being the Mediator, one Mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Our Lord Jesus Christ is a King, that beautiful type is set before us in Hebrews 7 of Melchizedek that is set forth as he that was the king of Salem, being first, first by, being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Our Lord Jesus Christ, that war, that crown at Calvary. He wears the crown of glory and shall come at a time that he knows, a time appointed by God when this world shall be no more with power and great glory in the clouds of heaven without sin unto salvation. And may it be then that in looking at this text, Remember these, these three things. The head, the head that wore this crown of thorns. And in remembering that, remember what is due to us and what we are under. And those are the people of God, what we are delivered from by what the Lord did. I remember that head that wore the crown. But we maybe also remember the crown he wore, what it sets forth, and the crown he wears now, that crown of glory. May we crown him Lord of all. Amen.